go ahead and get the elephant out of the room. I do own a bow tie. I have had this for almost two years. It was given to me by my sister for my birthday. I have not had the opportunity to wear it. But my football team beat our rival yesterday, who also happened to be the number one team in the country. And so I am a little excited, and I thought, hey, today would be a good day to sport some team color. On top of that, this also may come as a surprise. I actually have friends that visit me from out of Alabama. And so I have in the back back here two friends I went to, well, one I went to school all my life with, Dustin, his wife Jen, who joined us in high school, and then we all went to Auburn together as well, and they're three kids. And so we got to hang out yesterday, uh, and so I'm excited to have them. So it, it just seemed like a good day to finally break out my bow tie. So that elephant is out of the room, and in two weeks, the elephant of the Crimson Tide will be out on the curb as well. So we got nothing to worry about there. I'm also fully aware next week there will be retribution, but that is okay. So if you're visiting with us, you just learned a little bit about me. But I want to tell you that we've been talking this year. Our theme has been in my church, in the church that Jesus owns, in his church. There are a lot of things that we look at. But this quarter we've been dealing with edification, and we look very strongly at it meaning a construction term, to build. And we're going to, excuse the pun, build off that today as we think about building. Now I want you to ask yourself a question. Do you know anybody that is always building something? Like they're always tinkering maybe out in the wood shop or they're always getting on Pinterest and looking for DIYs and they're always just doing something like that. I am not one of those individuals. But I know people who are and I'm always kind of jealous of them. Or people that are always remodeling their homes. Maybe it's old decor. Like, you know what, I'd rather have this in, etc. They're just always kind of tinkering. They're always just kind of building something a little different. Or maybe you understand it from this side of things. There's a website called careerbuilder.com, right? We understand the concept that we're trying to build a career, so we say, I've got to build my resume up. So we're willing to go out and do other things that we wouldn't normally do because it'll look good on my resume and it'll give it another layer to which we can build off of and it'll make me more attractive. And I want you to think for a second. In the terms of, are you always building? I would suggest that as Christians, we are always under construction. That one of the things that you could have is you could say that the church of Jesus is always under construction. Because guess what? There's always building to the body of Christ. Now, I want to begin by a very simple point this morning. Each individual is under construction because he is building his or her own house. I want you to think about that. We sing the song from little kids. The wise man built his house on the rock, right? And the foolish man built his house on the sand. And do you remember... That Jesus says, the person that does that, either those two, they each hear his words. 
right? And the wise man, he hears his words and he does them. He's obedient. The foolish man, he hears the words and he's building a house, but he doesn't build them on the words of Jesus. He doesn't do them, okay? So everyone is building. But there's something that we don't talk about as often, at least I don't talk about as often, from the way Jesus tells this in Luke chapter 6. I want you to go to Luke chapter 6. I want you to see that, that this is very similar to Matthew chapter 7. There's a few differences, and I just want to highlight one from each of these as we think about me building my own house. Kevin and Mel are kind of doing about as close to building your own house in New Jersey as you can. They bought a house, and yesterday they demoed the house. So that now that there's pictures and the thing is gutted. They're going to get to build that thing the way that they want to. Dustin and Jen are fully aware of most people our age, they buy land and they build their own house from the ground up. They don't have to deal with someone else's. Well, we're doing that spiritually speaking. I'm building my house into what I want it to be. Either I want it to be built on Jesus, or I want it to be built on what I want it to be, on my own foundation. And if we're going to build it on Jesus, I want you to notice the description that is given here of this wise man. Look down with me now in verse 48. Now let's read verse 47. So everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show him what he is like. He's like a man building a house. And here's the phrase, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the floods came, it arose. You see, when this guy built his house, he had to put in some work to find the foundation. He had to get down there and dig deep. We understand the concept of having to dig deep, don't we? It's something that wasn't easy to get to. Maybe it's in the case of you're running a race, or you're playing in some sporting event, or you've got some test that you need to study for. You've got to dig down there deep to find that. You know it's there, but you've got to work for it. It doesn't just come naturally. It doesn't come easily. But the foolish man, as you will notice in verse 49, the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. He didn't have to dig deep at all. He just went with whatever was right there and said, you know what? I'm going to put my house right here. And so when the streams came and the floods came, the house fell. And the thing that is similar in both is great is the fall. And so I have to think about myself in this way. I'm always working on my house. Am I digging deep? Am I built on a solid foundation or am I so shallow that when the smallest thing comes about, it knocks me right on off of where I once stood? So we're building our own house. Okay, now here's where we're going to make our transition. We're going to spend most of our time this morning. The truth is, if each of us is building a house, right, we're all under construction. Now, Kevin was building, was demoing his house yesterday. He had time helping him. I think he had, Tom said, like 12 guys. Uh, they had a lot of people helping. What we have to understand is that we're also working on our brother's house. 
And we have two options. We're either helping my brother build his house, or we're helping our brother destroy his house. What? I'm either helping or destroying. I'm not apathetic. I'm not staying away. And I want to show this morning how we can destroy our brother's house and how we can help our brother build his spiritual house. So we're okay with that, right? So I want you to go to the book of Titus. We're going to go to Titus chapter 1 to begin with. In the book of Titus, we have some qualifications that are given for elders in the first few verses, beginning around in verse 3, and down through verse 9. And we're going to look at verse 9 in just a moment, but I'm going to put this picture up here for you. Let's say you're building you a house. And somebody comes along, and they've got this nice Volvo with the front loader on it. And they are sitting there, and they're like, you know what? I don't want this guy to have this house. This is too close to my property. This is on my property. Whatever the case is, I'm going to get rid of this guy's house. So you come in, and you take the house, and you flip it over. You know that that happens spiritually speaking? There's a phrase that is used. Don't you look here in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. The one of the qualifications for these elders is that he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as he was taught, right? Remember that? He hears these words of mine and does them. He's got to hold fast to that, that foundation. Now keep going. So that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and able to rebuke those who contradict. So the elder, the shepherd, he has to be able not only to obey himself, but he has to be able to teach He has to be able to construct others, instruct others, because there are others who contradict, who aren't going with the words of Jesus. Now that gets us to our next verse, verse 10. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not teach. You say, Wes, what does that have at all to do with building a house? You see that phrase, upsetting, or yours might say, overthrowing? Or something. I want you to notice how the King James says it. Those who subvert whole houses. This word that I have for families in my translations, or you have as households, or you have as house if you're using the King James, is our word for house. It can literally be the house that is being built. It can be a household as we would say it. Or it could be a family. Now, I want you to just think about it. I don't know exactly which one he's saying here. But you see that word subvert? Or that word upsetting? You know what that word means? It means to overthrow. You overturn. So we understand that, right? So imagine you got a table. And there is a table that is set. It is firm. So Lord's Supper table is a great example. And I come in and I see we're doing something we shouldn't be. And I'm going to pull a Jesus. And I'm going to overturn those tables. You see, it's now no longer on its foundation. 
And he says, this is what these people are doing. There are many who are going about, they are deceiving, they are actively destroying houses. That's an interesting thing, right? We say, but man, there's no Christian that would go about actively destroying someone else's house. Do you hear what a congred force in Galatians chapter 5? We are envying one another, the end of the chapter would say. We are biting and devouring one another. Tell me that's not how to destroy somebody. You don't go and bite somebody so that they get better. You bite somebody because you want them down. You want to bring them down. No. It does happen from time to time. We say, oh, that's only all these groups of people. Well, I want you to notice another phrase. I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, we, we talk about verse 15 a lot. Paul says to Timothy, study to show yourself approved. Unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And because there are people, Hymenaeus and Philetus in particular, verse 17, that their word is going to spread. But I want you to notice what their word is. Look at verse 16. He says to Timothy, avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead into more and more ungodliness. Timothy, don't mess with that stuff because it doesn't produce, it doesn't build up. What it does is it builds up more and more ungodliness. So he gives an example, 17. And their talk will spread like gangrene, like cancer. It's going to spread throughout the body. And among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth. Now, again, think about that. They once were on the truth. They once were built on the foundation of Jesus, but they have swerved from that. They're now off that. They have swerved from the truth. And they've done this by saying that the resurrection has already happened. And here's the phrase. They are upsetting the faith of some. Our word upsetting there is our same word as that subvert, overturn. They are flipping off the foundation one's faith by saying the resurrection is past. And they're just going about doing this. But notice the contrast in the next verse. But God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are His. How does the Lord know who's on His foundation, who is in His house. You know how? Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. They are doing the words of Jesus, and He knows that, that they are standing there in His house. And that ain't going anywhere. But these other people, they're going around saying things that would lead people away that would upset them, that would overturn what they were built on. So I would make you feel if you knew there was somebody in this room or there were a group of people in this room or there were a group of people in the church that you were a part of or a group of people in the church next door to you that you knew were out to get you. What would you try to do if they came to your house 
with this Volvo and front loader. You'd go out there and you'd try to stop it. You'd put up a fight. But yet, for some reason, spiritually speaking, we're not as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We don't look as much. We're not thinking that our own brethren can be out to get us. I'm not saying that our brethren are, for the record. I'm just saying that what is being seen in the first century is that there were. Jesus would say the false teachers, they come in ravenous wolves dressed as sheep, right? They're not what they look like. And the point that I want to make is that just because your brother or your sister says this is okay does not mean that this is okay. It may mean, I'm going to take you off the foundation in which you were built on. And so how do you stand firm? You stick to the words of Jesus, not the words of our brothers or our sisters. Stick to Jesus. That's what we do in the Lord's church. I want you to notice something as we keep going on. I want you to go to, to the book of Jude. Jude deals with false teachers, very much like, like 2 Peter chapter 2. The descriptions are very similar. And he reminds the people that he is writing in verse 17 that the apostles made predictions by the Lord. And they said in verse 18, in the last time there will be scoffers, people who mock, who followed their own ungodly passion. So people who are living the way that they want to live. Remember how we said we build a house sometimes by what we want? Maybe not what God wants, but what we want. They're living by these ungodly passions, what they want. And these, verse 19, it is these who cause divisions. They're worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. They're separating brethren, okay? Because they are living the way that they want to live. Now here's the phrase, verse 20. Notice again, but you. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice there that what these people are doing is they are building each other up. They're all out there actively working together to raise the building. I don't know about you, I've never been a part of one of those barn raisings. Or they're probably raising the church there. I think that would be pretty cool. Like I'd go, I'd, I'd get home and I don't know who I'd tell when I got home, but I'd, I'd write home, maybe I'd write home about it, you know, it'd be something you'd write home about. You'd say, hey, guess what we did today? We all got together and we raised a church building. That'd be something you want to tell somebody about, right? And we all had a different role. Like, I was holding the rope. Other guy, he had the board. He was trying to push the thing up. Another guy was making sure everything was level. And we're all doing different things. And we're all working together to raise the thing. Well, he says, that's what you guys are doing. He says, there are people out there that they're splitting you apart. But you guys, you are sticking together. You are building yourselves up and that you as a plural you guys are all doing this to yourselves you're building yourself up so I would say you're out there actively doing it because guess what let's say there's a barn raising going on and there's a picture of some people on the side over there 
Let's say they stood on the side all day long. They're not just over there because they're tired from raising the other side. But they're just over there. Oh, man, there's, there's a barn raising. Let me go see what's going on over there. We call that spectating, right? Do spectators get any glory for when, when, when a house goes up? You know what? I watched them build that house down the street. No, the builder gets glory out of that. You know what I mean? You say, man, I watched them build that house. Like, congratulations. What about that spiritually speaking? People may be growing in here, but am I actively helping in that? Am I a part of that building up process, or is it happening in spite of me? Not lending my hands. Not doing what I can. Because guess what? God don't give me any credit at all for just hanging tight and making sure that I'm in the right building. It's all about active participation. So maybe one of the things that we become actively in building are other souls. I want you to notice a passage in Romans, the 15th chapter. In Romans chapter 15, Paul has wanted to come see the Romans very often. But he's been hindered. And he's finally going to go. And he tells us why he's been hindered. And you would see in verse 22 that for this reason I was so often hindered. Now, if you don't know this passage, I want you to think, okay, what can keep somebody from going to see people that they want to see? Maybe sickness comes up. Maybe there were uh, some deaths in the family. Maybe there were finances that were a problem. Or as we fully understand, maybe work got in the way. Like, I just couldn't get off work. I just couldn't do it. Well, guess what it was for Paul? His work. And I want you to notice how he says all these things. He says about himself in verse 18. Yeah, well, let's start at 17. He says, in Christ Jesus then... I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Now, the word work is not there. It is a word that just means unto. So you may have things, in things pertaining to God, I think a lot of the translations say there. That's about as close as it's going to get. I don't know what it's supposed to be, how you'd say it. Besides, I've got nothing to glory in except the things that I'm doing for God. That's the idea, okay? So he says what those have been, verse 18. Because I will not venture to speak anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, okay? By the power of signs and wonders and by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elycrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. He said, here's what I've been doing. i got no reason to boast. i got no reason to point to me except that I've done what Jesus has done. And Jesus has worked all this through me all the way around the world, from Jerusalem to Elycrium, which was out in the middle of nowhere, far away from everything else. Paul's gone there. Why? Now here's the phrase, verse 20. Thus I make it my ambition. This is what I want to do. This is what I am living for. And what is that? To preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build, and that's our same word that we use for edify, lest I build on someone else's foundation. 
You see, his idea of going and building somebody up was starting from the ground up. He wanted to go to people that had never heard about Jesus. And he uses an Old Testament passage here to say, so I could do those who have never seen or never been told of him, they will see him. And those who have never heard, they will understand. You see, he wanted to go see the Romans. But guess what? They were already built on Jesus and they were already growing. He chose to go and build other people from the ground up. Now I want you to think about yourself when it comes to, say you're going to go be a part of a church. You want to go be a part of a church where you can help build somebody from the ground up. Or do you want to go be a part of a church where the church is already so well established, it's a well-oiled machine, they're all working together, raising the building, and I'm just going to go in there and just kind of sit back and just kind of have very little to offer. See, some people, we don't have as many options around here, do we? There aren't a ton of churches that you can choose and pick from. Where Dustin and Jen are, you can pick ten that you could go and worship to, and you would leave another forty out. You see, what's going to be my ambition? That I'm going to help build people from the ground up? Or I'm going to go to where I don't have to do nearly as much work? See, that's somebody who actually wants to build. Now, there's one other way in which we can destroy. I want you to think about this. We can actually passively destroy. Say, how can I passively destroy something? Well, I want you to go to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I do not have time to really get into the detail of this that I want. I'll sum it up in this way. Chapter 8, 9, and 10 of 1 Corinthians is about a problem that they are having with some believing that it is okay to eat meats sacrificed to idols because they know that an idol is nothing. Other people, it really bothers their conscience to know that something has been offered to an idol, and if they eat that, they're participating in that. There's a problem between. So you got one over here that says, I can't do that. you got another over here that says, I can do that. All right. So here's what happens. Look down to chapter 8. I want you to pick up with me in verse 9. Actually, verse 7. So however, not all possess this knowledge that idols are nothing. Now verse 9. He says, take care that this right of yours does not become a stumbling block to the weak. And here's the phrase. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge, your brother sees you. He is weak and you are, quote, strong because you know. And he sees you do this. I want you to notice what it says. In an idol's temple. And will he not be encouraged? Or your translations may say fortified. You know what the word is? Will he not be edified? Will he not be built to do what? 
go against his conscience. I want you to think about that. He sees me do something and he builds his house and that is against his conscience. Because his is weak. Now notice how strong this is. Verse 11. And so, by your knowledge, the weak person is destroyed. The brother whom Christ died for. Look at that. I don't even have to be trying to tear my brother's house down to tear his house down. Because all I've got to do is exercise something that I know is okay that is going to cause him to go against his conscience. So Paul would say there at the end of the chapter, man, if meat is going to cause my brother to sin, I'll never eat meat again. So how does that happen? Maybe your brother or sister in Christ has a different opinion about something. They have a belief about something, and you're the other side. And maybe you're a new Christian. Or maybe you're just a weak Christian at the moment. And you see them doing something that you would like to do, but you know it's wrong or you feel it's wrong. But because brother or sister so-and-so does that, it's got to be okay. And so I build my house on that. But all the while I'm saying, man, I shouldn't have done it. That's what happens. That happens. Maybe that's with family. So maybe I'm a parent. And I'm saying things around my kids and my kids are understanding they're being taught. Maybe in Bible class that is wrong. But here I am as a parent, not living the same way as I'm being taught. And they see inconsistencies. And instead of going with what the Scripture says to do, what they've been taught by God to do, they see mom and dad do it. And so therefore it must be okay. And the house is built not on Jesus, but on mom and dad. Which one of those is more dangerous to us? I think it's the passive one, right? It's the one in which you can do it and you don't even know it. So here's how he kind of concludes in chapter 10. Look in chapter 10 and verse 23. What I need to see and what I need to understand is verse 23. Not all things are helpful. Notice what he says. They're saying, the Corinthians are saying, but all things are lawful, Paul. This is not against the law. This isn't wrong. This is right to do. But he says not all things are helpful. But all things are lawful, Paul. But here's the phrase. Not all things build up. Not all things edify. Just because something is, quote, right, doesn't make it good. In fact, that right can actually tear somebody else down at that moment. And so what I have to do as an individual, i got to keep my eyes open and work on actively building up my brother rather than worrying about myself. Notice how he says that in the very following verse, verse 24. He says in verse 24 there of chapter 10, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. You may have a right, 
but you don't do it because you're looking out for, notice how he doesn't say your brother. He says your neighbor. In chapter 8, he said your brother. You see, the way in which we conduct our lives as Christians can also affect those out in the world. That they may see something and say, oh, that brother so-and-so is a Christian, so that must be okay to do. And they build their house on a weak foundation that's not on Jesus. So what do you do? Chapter 8, verse 1. His contrast in chapter 8, verse 1 is, but love edifies. Love builds up. And isn't that what we read in Galatians 5? The fulfillment of the law is this. Serve one another in love. See, I've got to remember not only am I building my house, and I've got to build on Jesus the way in which I build my house will affect someone else's. That I can either tear them down aggressively, actively, or passively if I'm not building in a proper way. But my goal is to look out for the good of my neighbor and to always do things out of love. That requires digging deep. Because that ain't, on the, that ain't on the surface. Because I've got to keep my eyes wide open for any little thing in my life, that old speck in my eye, that might cause my brother to upset his foundation, to overturn his foundation built on Christ. So am I helping? Or am I destroying? We're doing one or the other. And in some cases, we might be doing both. This morning's not been a lesson about becoming a Christian, but I think it's been a lesson that maybe we'll just open our eyes and try to be a little more careful, be a little more proactive in our lives, knowing that what I can do can help or can hurt someone. So maybe you need the prayers of the congregation this morning. You, you've done wrong. You need to confess that. Or maybe you've got some, some concerns in your heart. Why don't you come now uh, as we stand and as we sit?